Good evening, everybody. This is actually a live live stream. Um, I'm, I'm in the studio with my dear friend, James Cadiz, and we've had John before. This man is remarkable. He's a pastor at Calvary Chapel Signal Hill right here in Southern California, a man who speaks seven languages and has lost over 300 pounds. Yes. <laughs> But what I told him earlier is I said, you may have lost the 300 pounds, but it went straight to his brain because he has the most remarkable mind of any human being, with the exception of maybe Charlie. Yeah, Charlie's got me beat, bro. I don't don't know, though. (laughs) Seriously, the the conscious stream of thought is baffling. (laughs) And I'm going to try to survive an hour with my my sweet brother. But before we begin tonight, because we're going to cover a, a, a powerful topic, critical race theory. A lot of you have been hearing about it, a number of things. It is... It, it seems to be dividing the nation. It's something that the president has removed from the educating of the federal offices. Uh, others say it needs to be implemented. We saw uh, the moderator for the presidential debate talk about um, racial sensitivity. sensitivity, but didn't talk about critical race theory, which is really what we were dealing with. So Chris Wallace just bypassed that. So we're going to cover that tonight. Uh, we've been talking about it and, and you're going to be immensely smarter. So you need to put your thinking caps on. Although the thing I love about you is you, you bring the cookies to the bottom shelf. That's why I love sitting with you. Before we get into that, there's two things, uh, three things we want to do. First is I want to promote, uh, and, he, and, and this doctor was on our show, uh, Dr. Barkey, Jeff Barkey. He finished the book COVID-19. Uh, we have copies available. Um, you can pick them up at church. If you come in on Sunday, we'll have them out there. You can purchase them. Uh, we we're thrilled by this book. It is a simple, it's a physician's take on the exaggerated fear of the coronavirus. It is wonderful. These are articles he's written. Uh, there's highlights in here, good stuff. So that's available. Let us know. If you don't attend the church, you're tuning in the live stream, you want to get connected with the book, shoot us uh, an email at, at uh, info at godspeak.com, info at godspeak.com. I got a fascinating picture, James. Uh, this picture is awesome. Uh, one of my friends was in Washington, D.C., well, Walter Reed Medical Center, where the mm-hmm. president was. He was released today at 630, and they got a picture of him leaving the hospital. And I want to show you the picture. Here it is. Take a look at that. That's the president. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I hope that trolls everybody on the left. Let me tell you. I just put it out there because it's funny. Uh, But but pull up what we both received from Charlie because... Folks are saying, you know, your, your politics don't have anything to do with Christianity and why are you engaging? And here you have two pastors that have been working with Charlie and working with Turning Point, doing these things across the country. I'm watching an awakening and a revival happening by the simple fact that they're engaging in the public square. Yeah. And then you and I received this, this text and, I, and it was from an email that was sent to Charlie. And I get these all the time. Yeah, you have to read it because I'll cry if I read it. Yeah. It's just too much. I already got the tears out. But, yeah. but listen to this. This is... Uh, and these are emails that are sent continually to Turning Point USA. This one today just really hit us both, yeah. and we wanted you to see it. Hey, Charlie, I've been listening to your podcast now for about a year, and I got to tell you, man, this episode really moved me. I've been an atheist for a while, and I've tried churches and tried prayer and even tried going to church when I was at the lowest of lows and never had the experience of feelings, uh, feeling God's presence or anything of that sort. And something about your podcast has got me thinking about religion again, and I got to say, after hearing this, I'll definitely give it another shot. I love the work you do, Charlie. I 
listen to you, Ben and Matt, every morning on my drive to work and drive home. Keep up the good work, and I hope you get this message. And the amazing thing about Charlie, he gets thousands of messages, and to, to the best of his ability, I think he responds to every single yes, one of them. I don't know how he, he does. does that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, and that's the kind of effect that Charlie is having on people. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing thing, and I, when he sent that to me, I literally just... I mean, it was just, you shed tears because these are people whose hearts are hard and God is softening their hearts. And for the guys that say that that man has no, uh, you know, business interjecting Christianity and the politics and whatever, they're crazy. You can't read a letter like that and say, he's not effective. You know, it's amazing. I've been in lines after a conclusion of a speaking engagement and people are coming up in tears that really have never darkened the doors of a church that are so moved by the things he's sharing. And yeah. Um, he's, he's a warrior. He I'm, I'm so proud of him. And I have no idea where he is tonight, but I will be with him. I will be with him in Texas Saturday night. And then I'm going to catch on the crazy train with Charlie and we'll be in Miami. And then I go on to North Carolina and he's going to be in Indio and it's crazy, but oh. all right. I want to, I want to, I, I want to bless you all tonight. We, you didn't, you didn't tune in to hear the two of us talk or have a love fest about Charlie. You, you, you tuned in <laughs> to, to really, and, and I, I'm thrilled you're here because I've heard, you know, Charlie again, talk on, critical race theory on a number of occasions. I was in Idaho when he went through these five points that were fascinating. And there is a seven minute video clip of the two of us sitting on the stage where Charlie is just, it's remarkable. He's mesmerizing me and I'm supposed to be there like answering questions. I can't do anything but listen to him. Right. We broke it down. We took a look at it. Right. And, and you, you've got some other insights in relation to critical race theory. Yeah. In addition, just the frustrations that we're, we're seeing now here across from me is a man who has more melanin than I do. A lot more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, quit bragging. All right. (laughs) I'm melanin deficient. I was out on the harbor on the boat boat parade, the Trump parade, and I I don't tan. I bubble. Oh boy, I would have loved to have been at that parade. It was it was pretty epic. I'd have soaked in the sun. Yeah, I was with uh, the congressional candidate Joe Collins. Oh goodness gracious! And and his his big guys hanging around with him, and yeah, yeah, I was I was the guy bubbling, and they're laughing at me. But anyways, (laughs) so um, so my point of you containing more melanin is that in America today, uh, they want to pit you against me. And I don't, I don't have any right to speak because I don't possess what you have, which is an immutable trait that I had no control over. Neither did you, but the immutable trait of what you possess and what I possess by critical race theory elevates you over me. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? It is. It is. And And, and when I say immutable trait, I'm talking about the color of our skin, not the content of our character. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take everyone through critical race theory. Yep. Let's, let, let's describe what's happening in America, what president Trump is seeking to stop with the education and what Chris Wallace spoke of as, yeah, just take it. Okay. So we have to develop a bit of a primer here before we talk about critical race theory, uh, because it's critically important to understand where this comes from, right? The mechanism that drives this, okay? It's interesting that you mentioned Chris Wallace. Um, I lost what little respect I had for Chris Wallace's maneuverings uh, at the debate. And I think we need to talk about that for just a second. Because I, a lot I, of, I, how did I know you yeah, were going to go somewhere important. with this? All it's right, important. Take it. We have to go there. Oh, wait, because, I, am because, I going to stop yeah. it? <laughs> Well, because I want Americans to understand what actually happened at that debate. First of all, I'm not going to get into why 
the president's maneuvering in that debate was actually quite brilliant. It was reflective of his ability to be able to take control over this um, uh, domain of media. And and I'll I'll leave that there for a second. I'm not going to really discuss that. However, one of the things I will discuss is the error that took place with Chris Wallace that the president actually had to deal with that, in essence, has been manipulated to cause people to say he's a racist, okay? So let me just talk about what happened here. See, Chris, I, I went through the entire transcript of that exchange, but go ahead. Yeah, it was, it, was an, it was ugly. So Chris Wallace basically said this. Chris Wallace went ahead and said, hey, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase it, but he basically said, you know, will you stand against or will you come against white supremacy? Will you condemn, will you condemn white, white, supremacy? white supremacy? Uh, and he, sa- he asked that question on the heels of making a series of false statements. Okay? And I think that's a very important thing that we have to understand. I did a video on this of, uh, the day after the debate. And, and let me tell you what this was akin to. Okay? The dynamic that you saw with President Trump and Chris Wallace was so remarkably evil and dishonest on behalf of Chris Wallace that it has to be dealt with to be understood where the president came from. First of all, the president did denounce those things three times based on that transcript. He did. I saw it. All right. But putting that aside, what that was akin to was this. Let's say I walk up to you. Now, I know you. You're a godly man. You're somebody I look up to. You're somebody that I respect. You love your wife with all of your heart. And if I went to you right now and I said, Rob, you have cheated on your wife with 15 other women 15 times. Will you denounce adultery? Now, they're going to take this clip and they're going to put it across the country of you yelling at me. That's right. Yeah, sorry about that. that. I'm in politics. You just ruined it. Will you denounce adultery? You're not going to do that. You're not going to say... I denounce adultery. What you're going to do is you're going to correct the disgustingly false statement that I made concerning your integrity. You are a faithful man. You love your wife with all of your heart. You you tell everybody that you know that. So for you to say in response to me, I denounce adultery. Well, you would never do that. You would say, hey, slow your roll for a second. I've never committed adultery. And I'll denounce it. I'd be happy to denounce it. But let me set the record straight for what you're saying. Right. He brings up Charlottesville. Yep. He says in light of what happened in Charlottesville, insinuating on its face, right. you made racist statements. Yep. You can't blame the president for basically saying, hey, stop. The premise of your question was false. And then we'll address what you're asking me to do. That's exactly what happened. By the way, this is precisely what drives the mechanism that drives critical race theory. All right. Perfect. Sorry about the, poli- the political thing. Hopefully that oh, doesn't I'm, I'm happen. Kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. But, but let, me, let, me, um, let me play in defense of better de- debating ability. Thank you. Let's, let, let's use Charlottesville. Okay. And, and this, is, this is by some of his greatest advocates. Yep. He did not handle that articulately uh, uh, as, as well as he could have. You're he, absolutely right. Yeah. And he, he left a room with a pregnant pause. And of course, they leave that clip out of what he did previous. But just like what we said here, when you stated what you said, you've got a, a video clip that, that they're going to use or could use 
as you're yelling at me about committing right. adultery on my wife. And they're going to see we proved it. And by the way, I never have. And that's his. That's <laughs> right. He never has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And if anyone knows the media, he had the number one television show in America. He understands arts and entertainment and media. His, his Twitter account is probably the most influential in the world. He knows how to troll. He's got that. He can do better. He, and, and so that Charlottesville, just the, the way it was stated, you come in off the cuff, you got tension, make it clear because you got guys that are wanting to back you and support you. Um, I'll give you an example. David Harris Jr. You, you saw him after the, the, the Floyd murder. Yeah. And he's saying, it's hard enough to be a conservative black man in America, and you guys are doing this. Yeah, that's right. And, and you, you, you have you, uh, the congressman, Tim, um, the, the black congressman from South Carolina. Oh, Tim Scott. Tim Scott. Yeah. You got Tim Scott just saying, just make it clear. Right. That's just right. make it clear. That's right. That was Charlottesville. Yep. It, it, it was muddled. It was, it was clear in its entirety right. and in its context. Right. But as a man who masters media, he didn't do it that day. Yeah. Now you come into the debates. Right. And yes, Chris Wallace sets him up. And he set him up because he muddled it before. It was dishonest. It was completely dishonest. Yep. But it's not his first rodeo. That's right. And you're right. He does have to address that. But those are one of the areas where you can say in a debate, ah, Chris, you're conflating two issues here. Right. Correct. No, uh, listen. So, so let's separate the issues. I agree. Listen, I, I, I could not agree with you more. I, I think there was a mindset that the president had going into this where he knew he was going to handle it this way. Yep. I really believe that. No. I believe that it was, it was specifically designed to create the kind of dialogue that we're seeing right now right. And, and others. It was. Which is, a, literally, we could spend the whole hour on this issue. I mean, we could spend longer than that. But let me add this one part. Sure. Charlie has a f an unbelievable memory. Yep. I am the king of the dad jokes. I got these little quips when I'm around people and I use them. My wife has heard them for 30 years. She still laughs. Right. Charlie doesn't suffer fools well. Yep. He's like, oh yeah, I've heard that one. Oh yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> and there was one day I'm driving in the car with him and he literally cited 15 or 20 of these things from memory and he delivered it better than I did. I'm like, I got to come up with some new stuff. Yeah. So we, we know how President Trump works the media. Right. And they have been scrutinizing everything he's been doing right. for four years. Right. And he's a master of always staying on top of it. That's right. He's coming into a debate, and you've got to come with a different angle. I'm just saying, yep. you're playing at the top. Yep. And, and you're going in against a team. You know their defense. You know their offense. You got, right. And, and I know that he's got a thousand things on his plate. Yep. I get that. And I right. know that 90% of the media is dumping on him. Yep. I get that. I know that his yep. life is in danger. I get that. I yep. know that cities are burning and, right. and polls are bad. Right. And I get right. that. Right. I right. get that. But this is the Trumpster. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'll say this. Um, it wasn't his best night. Just, I, so me, I would, I would kind of, I'd say yes and no. And the reason why I'd say yes and no is because now we're going to kind of change, shift the, the focus of the discussion. And then we'll get to but, critical yeah, race theory. Yeah, but um, 
I do not believe the purpose of what Trump did or what Trump did had no purpose. I believe that's that true. I believe he walked into this with a very calculated purpose. Yeah. And I think he accomplished what he purposed to do and what he purposed to do. This was my belief. And I'm not a, a huge political analyst or anything like that. But I do understand human nature. Yep. And I understand what I like to call divide and conquer. Yep. And the whole purpose of President Trump doing what he did at that debate. And I could see it by the time we got halfway through it is this. I'll make one statement and then you'll understand the statement. This particular election is not going to be won by the independents, the undecideds. It's not. It's going to be won by the mobilization of the bases. I promise you that. The independents will affect some certain things in certain counties and so, so on and so forth, but it's really going to be won by the bases coming out and bringing the vote. And some people will disagree with that premise, but I really think that that's the case. So let me take it a step further. So his whole purpose was to divide the leftist base. He was successful. And he was successful. He hadn't renounced Bernie. He, he set had Biden up renounced a Bernie. Yeah. world war. He, 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 denounced, the, he, he renounced uh, Green New Deal, right. which his vice president right. is the one who authored. So now yeah. the base is broken up. And I can promise you what's different from the Republicans versus the Democrats is the Democrats, when they're divided like that, they will not come out and vote, especially the younger kids. That's how he won. I, OK, I'll, I'll grant that to you. So I'll, I think I'll, I'll grant that to you on the left. Right. How many elections have you run? I agree. I'm no, no, you. no. How many elections have you run? None. I've, I've had four. Right. I'm batting 750. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with You're you. not going to win an election in California without independence. Fair enough. I get every Republican in the state, and I'm not going to win it. I, listen. And there's going to be 50 million new votes. And there's going to be voter fraud all over the place. We're going to need independence. We're going to need every American to do this. I agree. And, a, and politics is done by addition and multiplication, not by division and subtraction. I am a great advocate of the president. But I will say this, you need to be nicer. Now, granted, people get sick of hearing that. I'm not virtue signaling. I'm just saying he can do the same thing in the brilliance and the three-dimensional chess and dividing the base of, of his opponent. Mm -hmm. He can do that. He can do all that. But there's a lot of people out there, including me. And listen, I travel the country for the man. I'd like to see... Some civility. Look, I'm with you, but can I make a prediction? Sure. Can I predict that the next two debates? It'll be there. Not only will it be there, but it'll be like he never made a mistake before. Yeah. And, and can, I, can I go over a little he, bit he, of history? He, he's the one guy that builds he in debates. He is very, it's not just building in debate. Let me just tell you, I'm telling you, he's a lot more calculated than people think. I don't even think it's an issue of building in debate as much as it is. And, I, and I'll tell you why. He did it with Hillary. Yeah. He literally <laughs> built up the expectations for Hillary, Hillary, or lowered the expectations for Hillary, and Hillary, it could be said that Hillary did a pretty good job of pummeling him in the first debate, right? He did that on purpose. He knows that the debates closer to the election time are going to matter. Now, yeah. what's different here are there's a much, much larger emphasis on the early voting, yep. and so that's where I might yep. think, okay, there might be an error there, yep. but... 
he's definitely doing a lot of this on purpose. And I would agree with you. I'm telling you, he could have been nicer. It could have been less crude. It could have been everything. But it also would have helped if he wasn't debating Chris Wallace. It would have helped if he, you know, I mean, there's a lot of those things. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that. And I think you're right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now come on your side. Okay. And then we're going to get to critical race theory. And I'm going to conclude our conversation over this coming to your side. And I'm coming to your side with this. I watched the Republican uh, debates when we were looking for who the candidate was going to be back in 16. (laughs) And I was not a Trump fan. Yeah. And I thought he was bombastic and caustic and rude in the way he treated. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I was furious and I, I thought he was a charlatan and I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and I watched him whittle through the pile one after the other yeah. and just break every rule there was. And I'm watching these guys drop like flies and I'm seeing his trajectory just go straight up and I'm looking going, they don't have a clue. Yeah. This guy had the number one television show in America. Yeah. Yep. This guy has the business, the Trump brand is world renowned. I mean, he's got arts, entertainment and, and business media. He, his Twitter account is just devastating these people. And I'm watching and, and this is a guy that dominated New York. He's, he, he can figure it out. So coming on your side. Yeah. I think the next two debates are going to be kind of fun it's to watch. Good. I'm, I'm actually I'm dropping the it. popcorn. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I mean, and, and everything you say too, I mean, look, I'm learning from this dialogue that we're having right now. I mean, I, I mean, you know this, I mean, I have a ton of, I look up to you and a lot of the stuff that you're saying here makes a lot of sense. It really does. I just have been spending so much time thinking about this and analyzing it in my brain. The president is a lot more disciplined than people think. Yeah. He's a lot more I, calculated. He is. Now, let, let's, let's come to Chris Wallace saying that there needs to be racial sensitivity training. Um, and Mr. President, will you renounce, yeah. you know, uh, white supremacists and, uh, um, yep. and, the, and the president, you know, doesn't say, well, you've conflated two issues. Right. Um, he, he throws in Charlottesville on this and he calls it, he, he, that Chris Wallace called it sensitivity training. Yeah. Which is an evil lie. Uh, well, that everything is done with words. Right. I mean, plan parenthood. You're not planning parenthood. That's right. Yeah, you're destroying life. Yeah, you're right. destroying life. There's no planned right. parenthood right. in that. That's it's not right. Black Lives Matter. That's it's a right. Marxist movement. Right, that's right. It, everything a is... A gay and lesbian Marxist movement, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think. And yeah, we another night. Yeah. All right, let, let's, let's come to critical race theory. So yeah. when, he's, when Chris Wallace is saying what's happening in the governmental levels and the sensitivity training, and you've done away with the... And, and you know, he goes on. It's not sensitivity training. It's critical race theory. Right. I would say 99% of Americans have no clue. That's right. What critical race theory is or what's being implemented at the federal government. And almost every major Fortune 500 business, you have to come in and sit down through a series of videos to get sensitivity training. Right. Yep. Yep. So really what they're doing is they're educating you. And where does this come from? What is the basis of these five points of what they're putting forward? Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. Um, I'm not going to get much into the history of the founders of it. Um, It really does come back to originally, and Charlie does a really good uh, job talking about this. And we'll give the link on that. Yeah. So we'll we'll give that link. And I would really recommend you guys go there, learn about Herbert Marcusa, learn about Angela Davis and how she comes in and brings in what is critical race theory. It really does come from- Marcusa's tribalism. Yes. So Marcusa, who was a tribalist, and this is worth saying, he developed a, a broad spectrum of viewing of of really uh, a new form of a social contract. Uh, uh, it, it, it went far more 
beyond, far broader than just critical race theory. He called it critical theory. And, and, and what's, it, it was, in essence, very anti-Marxist in nature, which in reality became very Marxist later. Okay? And, and you can see Anita Phillips doing the same thing where she's talking about the different ideas Absolutely. of tribalism and that we're supposed to be sensitive to those aspects. Right. And he's wanting to be mindful of culture. Right. But it, it, it's hijacked and turned into Marxism. That's so absolutely that. right. That's absolutely right. So Angela Davis comes in. She becomes the spokesperson for it. I was saying um, Anita Phillips from Hillsong. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah I the, got you. Yeah. Yep. So um, it's really based on, on several premises. Okay. So let's just start. And I'm going to start in, in a specific order because you have to start on one foundation in order to build upon the other and go from where you go. So the primary foundation of critical race theory is, um, is really based on the idea that skin color matters. Okay. So there is a bit of a mechanism that says that because of my skin color, I am adversely affected from, uh, based on another skin color. Each skin color is different uh, depending on where I come from. It will, de- will depend on what station in life I sit. Okay? So, the, so the skin color is dependent on the Western Correct. mindset. Correct. We're going to get into Western the Western mindset. Worldview. Yeah. But, but, they, but they move from the Western mindset. Instead of using the idea, they attribute it to a color. Yes. And it, it's intrinsic it, to that color. Correct. And the primary thought process behind this is that this is Western prescribed. Okay? Right. This is, and, and it's to oppress anyone with melanin. That's correct. Okay? Yeah. So the basic premise of this is if you are really any other color than white, then the United States of America is a nation that was designed to be your oppressor. That's really what it says, okay? Um, it particularly... That's where you get the 1619. That's where you get the 1619 project. That's where you get into all of this. Which, by the way, I want to make one statement about the 1619 project. Prior to the existence of the United States in 1776, not right. in 1619, right, right. virtually every nation in existence... Had okay, slavery. Had slavery, yep. all right? When the Constitution was written... When the Declaration of Independence was written, it was a direct referendum on slavery. As a matter of fact, the underlying current of the Constitution was slavery is done in 25 years. When they came in and, and, you know, the colonies were built and so on and so forth, slavery was a part of their everyday life. This is kind of what they did. And they said, no, this is a nation that's based on the premise that all men are created equal, equal protection under the law. These are all very, very important concepts, right? So these are the types of things that we were going to eliminate as a nation. Our founding fathers really believed in that. Now, there were a few that were uh, overtly sinful in this uh, and actually represented the birth and the existence of the Democratic Party to its core. John C. Calhoun, Andrew Jackson. Many of them, right? And what is very interesting is the same tenets that existed in their heart, in their mind, in their philosophy, in their action exist far more intensely right now in the Democratic Party than anything I've ever seen. The Democratic Party is the most racist organization in existence in this country. The difference is they have shifted what the actual plantation is for today. And the plantation for today is critical race theory. It's the new plantation for this nation for those that are of color, for black people specifically. So the premise of critical race theory is if you are black, you live in a country that is overtly designed 
to keep you from growing or advancing. Now, the reason why they say this and the reason why the Democratic Party is perhaps the greatest propagators of this theory and this idea is to keep people of color, to keep black people from advancing in this culture and in this society. You're poor, you live in the ghetto, it's another form of plantation. You are gonna be this way because it is the white man and white privilege that keeps you in this place. You can't grow beyond this because you are in a system that is completely designed to oppress you. Okay, now, stop. Because I gotta throw this out there. Yep. Because, I look at that, and I, I worked in the inner cities of Fresno. Yep. And it was, it was a mess. And the Lowell District and all of that. Sure. And John Perkins, who works in Harumbee and was part of Mendenhall, Mississippi, yep. and bringing reconciliation and, and building that up. Interesting, the white churches wouldn't invest in the inner city. That's right. And so you come in, and, and there's, there's two schools of thought when we went into the Lowell District in Fresno, served Fresno to change it. We went in there to... If, if the water level lifted, all boats in the harbor would rise with it. So we went into the worst part. Yep. And we started to repaint all the slumlord houses. Mm-hmm. The tenants loved it. The slumlords loved it even more. And we started to put on vacation Bible schools and reading programs and after school sure. programs. Sure. And we're dealing. And, and, there was, and, and it was mostly white kids coming from the north coming right. in. Right. Those that held this idea of white oppression called it regentrification. That's right, they did. Because we were moving into that city and, and starting to build. Yes. But most of the whites, and the joke is that you, you have the mall where the white people used to go to and the mall that they now go to. Right. But when you get into the Fulton, I mean, you get in Fulton Mall in, in the inner city of Fresno. That's right. Th- that's like four malls down where right. they used to be. Yes. And it is, yes. it is wiped out. You okay. can't get loans. My point is this. You got folks battling saying white people can't go in there. You got white people coming in and other folks saying we're thrilled they're there because it's, it's, a, it's, it's hopeful. Right. But it's always going to be a battle between the ideology. You have people sincere wanting to change. Yeah. You know how that stops? I, I, I learned some stuff in there. Yeah. yeah. Tell me. So the way that this stops are the people in power. It's learning how to re-educate the system on the issue. People don't see this because they don't want to take the time to look at it, but we're seeing the exact same results of the teaching of critical race theory in the United States and what's happening. The very dynamic that you're talking about, we're seeing it in Israel. I'll give you a great example of this. The Palestinians are trained to believe by the nation surrounding that they will forever be oppressed because they're in the midst of a group of invaders, and so they'll never get better. Nothing will ever get better. I, I and got so that. It's the and same I, and, kind and of I, concept. And I, and I get that in the inner city. Right. I get that. But I'm going to point this out. Yep. Because my dear friend Bishop Huggins, uh, Democrat, uh, liberation theologist, but he doesn't embrace it the way it is. He's I I I love this man. Loves the word. But this is interesting. Yes, you you do get that inculcated, indoctrinated mindset that you're a victim. But in the same regard, when they reach out to get folks to help, and they've got a history of folks that have abandoned it. That's right. You know, this is a boomerang effect. People are kind of just suspect because you can't dismiss. Republicans want to dismiss the history. Right. Blacks want to emphasize it. Right. They, they want to mess with it. They don't even want to see it. Yeah. And here's the other point. Yeah, the Democrats started with the Jim Crow laws and the KKK 
and, in, and invoking slavery, John C. Yep. Calhoun, just That's as right. we went through, Andrew Jackson. Yep. But don't forget, 1876, the centennial of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, it was the Republican Party that agreed to hold power for the presidency in a split electoral college, and the Democrats won the popular vote. They agreed to retain the presidency, and the Democrats said, the only thing we ask is that you remove federal troops from the South. The Republicans abandoned the black community. You had the first black senators and first Congress members, black Republicans in the South, and they were abandoned. They allowed them to come in. So the, the, the black community in America has been a pawn of both parties, right. and they're pissed. Right. It, it, <clears throat> so, I, so who's going to win the day? We're watching Blexit, blacks exiting the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. We're watching others to listen to them. We have others trying to keep them there. Yeah. The, truth, but do you see the tension? I do see the tension, but truth is going to have to prevail here. All, we, all we, of what I said is true. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. But taking some time to analyze this for what it was is going to help to make sense to people, right? First of all, when you look at the history of what happened in 1876, you've got to understand one very important thing. The nation had just, a few years prior, the nation had just lost almost a million, 650,000 650, people. Yeah. They were deathly fearful of entering and we had into the 13th, another civil 14th, war. 14th and 15th That's amendment. Right. They were deathly fearful of entering into another civil war. So the mechanism here was not a, what I would call a racist mechanism as much as it was a fearful mechanism. It was a mechani the, the, the mechanism that drove the compromise that took place where the Republicans left. And I'm not saying it was right. Please don't think I'm saying it was right. It was fear. No one wanted to, they were not even 10 years removed from I, the Civil War. I, I would go a little bit further with that. Lincoln shot. He's, right. He is built up some credit yes. in, 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 that, in that moral bank account. Johnson takes over. Eh. Grant comes in. Corruption galore. Yes. And he was an abolitionist, but everyone started to become excited about wealth. Right. And they saw this devastated South and they were going to go down the carpet, the whole bit. Then you go from, from the corruption of Grant. Now you got the Tilden thing and all that's happening. Right. They had lost their moral collateral, their moral clout. Yeah. And no and, doubt. And, and now you don't have a leg to stand on because you had a president. When you see the first and second inaugural address of Lincoln inundated with scripture. Yes. And this was a man that was reviled in the North and in the South. That's right. His popularity rating would make the worst Republican president look good. Yeah. But he did the right thing. Right. And that carried the Republicans for a season. That's right. And all the promises he had made to the black community, when he did them, he believed them. And he right. put his life on the right. line. That's right. That's right. But no one ever cashed that check because they all started to go after other things. I'm just, that, that's my view. That's my take. I'm as conservative. I've been a Republican my whole life, yep. but, but, but I, I burden for the black community. But by me saying what I'm saying, Rob, yeah. is not me simply defending the actions of the people. It's right. simply, it's simply me trying to shed light on what was driving the minds of the nation at I got the it. time. I got it. It's, and I that's was a history an, major. Yeah, I got and, it. and it's an important thing to, to, to discuss. 
The problem that we have here today, and listen, there's nobody that has more of a burden for people that are black in this country than, I'm one of those guys. I, I have a great burden for those of color. I minister to lots of people. My wife is half black. I am, I, my mom and my dad were both born and raised in Egypt. That's a North African country. That is not what everybody would call a Middle Eastern country. It's a North African country. And if you were to go to an Egyptian and you were to call them an Arab, you would offend them. You would deeply offend yeah. them, right? So it's, I, I, I understand this. And, and more importantly, like you, I'm a patriot that desires the propagation of truth. Yeah. So when we talk about this, the greatest error that we're making right now, especially in the black community, the greatest error is that we are looking from the perspective of critical race theory. We are looking from the perspective of being people. And I say we not because of the color of my skin. I'm saying we because we're Americans. Okay, I'm looking at this as Americans. We're all Americans. We are looking at this from the perspective of a man and a woman who says, I cannot have what they have because I am in a broken system of oppression. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's envy and anger. It's a patently false conclusion. And I understand, listen, I understand the fact that the battle is going to be much more harder, substantially harder, for people that are in those situations, for people that are in the inner city, for people that are in the ghettos, for people that are in those, in those difficult things. And I get that, right? However, what I would say in that argument is, like my father, who had an incredibly difficult time, immigrating here from Egypt, only had $100 in his I pocket. It. I got it. His battle was horrible. My, my, the things that he faced were substantial. But I have to say this. I have to say that just because a person has to work harder to get to that desired position does not mean that they are in a place that is by default a broken racist system. You're, you're, you, you and I are not disagreeing. You just don't know what it is I'm trying to say. Okay. I don't contend or argue with any of that. When I pointed out that the black community in America is a pawn of both parties. It's a true statement. I agree. My point is, how in the world did the day come where we allowed this 13% of the population to be so manipulated and indoctrinated to believe this? Who, who was asleep at the wheel? Everybody is guilty of that. Now, how do you go in and fix that mindset? Are you going to stand outside and say, you guys don't get it. I, I'm an immigrant. I know what, yeah, but you haven't been a pawn of, of, of the parties since the inception of the nation. I have the answer. Okay. I know. I know. It sounds this guy. Oh, James, you're a young guy. I have the answer. I have it. The churches. They don't go there. I, but I, but still. wait, wait, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's where I got my teeth. That's where I cut my teeth. Right. The Sir Fresno. We, we watched the crime rate in Fresno, the highest crime rate drop in FBI statistic history. It became America's fine city. We had the second highest murder rate, second highest car theft rate, second only to Newark, New Jersey for the car theft rate. Right. There was a murder every night. We, we watched, a, they stole the car from our driveway. There was a, a gunpoint holed up right by our back gate. We were watching on the television a raid on a drug complex with SWAT. We turned off the TV, opened our windows and watched it across the street. Yeah, wow. 
we were there in Fresno when they'd had the Rodney King and, and all the right, and it was coming to Fresno. And if it wasn't for the churches stepping into the inner city and making a difference, that, that entire city would have burned. Yep. I am in full agreement with you. But the reason why Bishop Huggins is my dear friend, this is the first church up the hill he'd ever been invited to speak at. I was invited to speak at his church. I'm, I'm white in the largest black church in Ventura County. He's black speaking at a church on the hill. We became friends. He then went to Wichita. He started to work there. He's coming back. Theologically, we are challenging one another. Yeah, sure. And he's being moved. But here's what's sweet. We're going to be a part of that church plant. Of course. But I can't, I, I can't find that in a lot of other churches. Yeah. And I'm not tapping myself on the back. What I'm saying is that we decry the existence, but we created the monster and decry its existence. And I'm not saying the monster. I'm saying the, the poverty and the, the absence and the abdication of, let's go in and do that. Yeah. The, that's, but, that's, right. And I agree. You're right on your answer. I'm the churches. You. I'm with you. But, but I, and I want to take it a step further. The churches cannot do it if they are ascribing to the worldly theories that continue to drive the we issues of the problem. We don't. That's right. I'm not going I, down there with we, critical race theory. Yeah. I'm contending with Bishop Huggins. We love each other. He knows where I stand. I've never compromised the thought of that. But you know what? There's work to be done down there. Sure there is. And, and, and when, you had, when you had the widows who were being neglected, the, the, the Greek widows were being neglected by, by the Hebrew widows right. in, in the dispersion of food, when they picked godly and devout men, they didn't, they didn't pick the, the Hebrew men. They were all men with Greek names. Oh, yeah. Because they understood there was racial tension. Let's yield. Yep. And, and I think that there's room for us to step in and bring that, that dynamic. And we just studied in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and Peter. Those guys don't go together. Yeah, but, but do you understand that the, you're... The We've got to step out of our comfort zone. Yeah, but do you understand the stand that you're taking right now as you bring up Bishop Huggins and you talk about these other situations? You realize that the stand you're taking is not only extraordinarily unpopular, but you understand that it, it serves as a direct repudiation to everything that critical race theory stands exactly. for. Exactly. That's why you, I want to make everyone see, but I earn the right to speak that into his life because I'm his brother and his friend. And you, and you loved him and his people enough to speak about a very uncomfortable situation while you're getting your hands involved in the work. You care enough to speak about a very important issue into their life. Yeah. I, I, to to I, sit down and to, and to really say, hey. I'll give you another angle on it. Sure. I don't love his people. We, Bishop Huggins and I, love our people. It, that's right. We're, we're, we're bringing these, these groups together. Right. And, and me and you are dealing in semantics here. I got I'm you. I'm, you. Sorry. I'm, I'm with you on that. I just you, have to define it for right. folks because. I got you. I understand. You know, it's, it's, almost, like, it's almost like rice bowl evangelism. Right. All the white man's going into the. No, that's not it for me and Bishop. It, I get it, you. That's not it. I get you. Yeah. Uh, and, and this really goes back to what I said before. We're Americans. We're all Americans. Yeah. Well, there's no. There is, there's America's no, an idea, not, right. not a country. There's no ready. Unlike Antifa. America's an idea, mm -hmm. right? Red and yellow, black and white were precious in his sight. According to the Bible, race really truly isn't even an issue. It's already, it's assumed. It's part of the foundation. It's a byproduct of a transformation that takes place. Yeah. The Bible says that there are two identities, only two. 
One is in Christ. One is not, not in, in Christ. Christ. It's, it's, it's a really simple thing. Acts 10 was not the conversion of Cornelius as much as it was the transformation of Peter's heart. That's a great insight. I actually haven't even, uh, yeah, I, that's a great insight. It really is. I would agree. He invited him into his home. To, yeah. A, a Roman soldier, an oppressor. It's a, it's a, it's a great insight. It really is. All right, come on. Let's okay. do it. So critical we got, race we, 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 All right. We got 18 minutes. Okay. What do we I'm going to get this done. I love talking with you. I'll get it done. I'll get it done. <laughs> I'll, we'll do this very quickly. Okay. So color matters. We already established that in critical race theory. It really is based on a tribalist kind of a mindset. But if you remove tribalism and you bring in Marxism, this is why it's so dangerous because the Marxist mindset, which pushes critical race theory more than any other group of people, uses tribalism to divide and conquer. That's exactly how I do it, and that's how they control people. Okay, We see it all the time. That's what the Democratic Party is doing to keep people on the proverbial plantation right now. This is why Bishop Buggins and I have such success together. He's pressured to be tribal. I'm that's pressured right. to be tribal. That's right. And you're, we won't allow it. Your hearts and your understanding of the scriptures serve as a direct repudiation to the tribalist mentality. Because there's dialogue, right. which doesn't exist in the critical race theory. And if you, Did you hear that? Yes. It, well, you that's one of the next steps we're going to talk because about. Because they know that if there's dialogue, we're going to hate each other. Dialogue is illegal to yeah, them. Yeah, it's illegal in critical yeah, it's, race theory. It's completely illegal, yeah. right? That actually would have been like the third point that I, that I brought up. The, I thought we were there. You getting, you getting together and doing this not only serves as a direct repudiation to everything that critical race theory stands for, but it also disables the mindset of the Marxists who want to use the tribalistic mindset, the divide and conquer to control. Hegelian dialectic. It is a Hegelian dialectic, yeah. right? It is exactly Hegelian dialectic. You've got the thesis. You've got the antithesis. They coexist through synthesis, oh. which, by the way. I never really understood the Hegelian dialectic until I read Francis Schaeffer, yeah. and I really was able to grasp it, even though it makes no sense, but I, I get it. I right? wish people would revisit Francis yeah, Schaeffer. Francis Schaeffer, in my opinion, the, the, the those greatest books. philosopher that How ever then existed on the face of the earth. Incredible. Absolutely. I've read every work Francis Schaeffer has ever written. I think he's the greatest philosopher that ever lived, but anyway, it's a whole other story. I really like him. He's one of my favorite authors among C.S. Lewis and a few other people. Anyway, going back to this, okay? So, uh, racism is embedded within the culture of our nation. Everything about our nation is completely racist. That is exactly what critical race theory says. It's extraordinarily dangerous because what it basically means is it teaches people that are in these communities and people who come from these backgrounds to think that everything is against them. When in reality, everything, the the rain falls. This is where this is a biblical counterfeit, right? The Bible tells us the rain. I love how you do this. The the Bible tells us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The Bible says that we will all experience trials, we'll all experience hardship, and the counterfeit mechanism that drives critical race theory actually takes that part of the Bible and completely twists it. It says, no, the rain only falls on on people who are black. The rain only falls on people who are noble. And you're only noble if you're black. And by the way, critical race theory does this. Critical race theory, in essence, at its core, it takes doctrine, Christian doctrines like total depravity, it takes the doctrine of the teaching of sin. It takes the doctrine of salvation. It takes um, even eschatological teaching. Yep. It takes it and it produces a counterfeit for it, right? Because, uh, and then based on that counterfeit, it goes in. And, and it, the reason why it does that. Eschatological means the study of the end times. That's right. I'm so sorry. The reason why it does that is because every single major doctrine that we derive from the scriptures is designed to deal with the core tenets of the desires of the human heart. 
And if I can take those core tenets and I can create something that is patently false, it's a perversion of those core tenets, I can control the purse strings of the hearts of the people that I'm trying to communicate. All right, let me, let me slow you down. And I'm slowing you down because I can't catch up and I can't imagine what they're doing. Okay, I'm so sorry. Okay. And, and if they're watching me, they're like, I watch because Rob talks and I can understand. <laughs> sorry. It's all right. When, when we're dealing with these basic tenets of the Christian faith, the critical right. race theory counterfeits. It is. They're completely counterfeit. And, 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 and we see what man is called to do. Lay down your life. Serve one another. The, and, and you look at the, the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not covet. Thou shall not steal. And, and critical race theory says, no, you can covet. And you can take that. That's right. And you have the right to take that. That's right. And you're superior. Yeah. And the Bible says that we're not to show preference to anyone. Yeah. And, and that comes back to their tenant that is anti-science, anti-math, anti-imperial data. Yeah, you, it leads don't, to don't, that. Yeah, because if you're, if you're bound by the laws of nature and nature's God, it's not going to work when you're stealing somebody's stuff. That's correct. It's completely correct. So you have to, you have to remove every logical argument if you're going to put forward this That's theory. Right. So you have to shut down debate. You have to shut down science. Right. You have to shut down logic. Right. And then if someone wants to contend with you, where do we go with number three? Yeah, it's over. Well, it basically says a dialogue is illegal. Dialogue is so, illegal. So let me, so let me go back Don't and do this. Don't even listen to him. Right. He's white. Yeah, right. He has no authority to speak. There is no dialogue because your dialogue that comes against me is completely evil because it is based in the core tenet of racism. Yeah. But let me go back and look at this. So we talked about, we introduced the Bible issue, right? And I, I've been thinking and mulling over this just a little bit or whatever. Okay, let's talk about skin care. Uh, skin color matters. Okay, skin care matters. Skin color matters. Okay, we look at that very first tenet, right? It's a Nivea the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us we were all created in the image and the likeness of God. Skin color, skin color matters is a perversion of that teaching. Yeah, it says okay? only yellow flowers matter. Not, That's correct. Not, not the tapestry on, on the grapevine. That's correct. And by the way, everybody says as human beings, we're all children of God. That's a lie. If we were all children of God, then how in the world would I be adopted by God at the very moment that I accept him, right? Now, we were all created by God, but the, the whole idea that we are, God does not adopt his child, Right. And I understand what people say. We're all when people say we're all children of God, what they're actually saying is we are all the human race and we're all created by God. But and, there's and, a, and more than that. And more than that, we're created that. in the image and the likeness in the image of God. But that is very different than actually being somebody who inherits what God has made available to us. We inherit what God has made available to us to what Christ did on the cross. OK, so the skin color matters. Let me help. Because uh, the child of God thing for folks that grasp it a little bit more. Right. Because that, that's a heavy statement. It is a heavy statement. An illustration, it may break down as all illustrations do over time. But we're creating the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in our mothers. When before you were born, I knew you. Right. Okay. So we, we, we have that concept. We're creating his image. But if I renounce my family and walk away and no longer am affiliated and sign that article. I'm no longer the child of Roy That's and Louise right. McCoy. That's actually right. So when we, when we willingly walk from God and refuse entrance, because as a, as a family, we are all infected by right. sin, right? There's a way back. He's given us That's access. Right. That's absolutely right. And, and yep. he'll heal us of this virus and right. bring us into his presence through his son. But we chose as a family to walk out of his presence by taking that exit sign. Right. And you go, wait a minute. I didn't have anything to do with Adam and Eve. Why am I? Right. Wait, it, okay. 
so you don't want to be, you can come back. That's well, right. yeah, I don't want the rules though, and I don't want to, well, then you don't want to come back. Right. That's how, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. When my daughter left our house, I said, look, you're 18. These are the rules of the house. Mm-hmm. I am not going to subsidize you going out and drinking and dancing and sleeping around and partying and doing all that stuff. Right. You got to decide what you want to do. That's right. You, you're responsible for your actions. Yep. I'm leaving. I said, we're going to miss you. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's, but when that's she appropriate. Came, when she came back. Right. She said, dad, can I borrow money? I said, I, you know me. I give money to anyone. Don't call me. Um, <laughs> but I said, I said, I can give money. But God said, no. Right. But we're waiting for you when you're ready to come home. That's There's right. a bed and food. But you know the rules. Right. And I thought we lost her. Right. She called. She said, Dad, I want to come home. I said, you've tried this, sweetie. You're going to get tired of it. And you're going to get frustrated. And I, I don't want to overwhelm you. She said, no, Dad, I want to know God like you guys know him. Yeah. And so she came back wanting to right. be a part of that family. That's right. Right. It has to be a choice for every human being. That's exactly right. And, 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 um, and that's exactly what I mean when I say that. The Bible says that we obtain sonship, right? Which yeah. is, by the way, not... It's not respective of male or female. It's referring to the human race. We, we obtain sonship by the reconciliation that Christ does on the cross. When we talk about skin color matters, skin color matters comes directly. It's a perversion of the teaching that we were made in the likeness and the image of God. When we talk about racism being everywhere and inerrant, okay, that is direct repudiation to the teaching of total depravity. Right. It basically says that the problem is really racism. No the problem is actually sin. sin. Race is, is created by God right. with the manifold beauty of the hills with multiple correct. colored flowers. Ism, racism, is taking that trait and abusing someone based on exactly right. the, ex- the, the content or the absence of content of melanin. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's exactly right. So it's a perversion of that. It, it's the human heart right. destroying that's God exactly right. Now, the one that really bothers me, the dialogue being illegal, it's a direct repudiation of John's declaration. We've talked about this. I've even quoted this. In Archen Hologos, Kyologos, Proson, Theo, Theos, and Hologos. In the beginning was the, the word, word, and the word, word was, was with God, God, and the word, word was, was God. God. And the word became flesh and, and the word became him. flesh and dwelt among us. So the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the literal living word. And by the way, what he was mumbling there was Greek, uh, Greek, language. Greek because yes, the Greek he language. speaks languages, yeah. and I was just pretending like I knew what he was talking Which, about. Which, by the way, I was quoting how you would read it in biblical Greek, Koine Greek, not necessarily modern-day terminology, right. although when I do pronounce uh, certain letters, I use the modern-day modern. pronunciation, like the gutturals, the he, and all yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, so... That's exactly what we're talking about. Dialogue being illegal is a direct repudiation against that because what that does is it basically create, it leads us to the next thing, which is totalitarianism. Totalitarianism. Sorry. My brain is working faster than my mouth. It's like me trying to say comorbidities. Right. And really what that tells us is if you do not proclaim the evil that we ask you to proclaim... You are bad. Yeah. We're going to shut your business. We're going to take shut away your, your sports team. Now, let me tell We're you why gonna... that's so bad. Let yeah. me tell you why that's so bad. Because it destroys any perspective that introduces truth to the picture. Because they but, say, if you don't say anything, well, then you're racist. And you're even more evil. If you speak against what we're saying, that's exactly what it does. Here, here's the first thing that goes in a totalitarian movement right. is comedians. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, uh, by all means, you by don't, all means. You, you, how dare you make fun of me? By all means. That's not a funny topic. Yep. 
Yep, but it's, but I, I'm, I'm revealing the stupidity of what you're, no, 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 no. Get, get him out. He's, he's no longer welcome in the Oscars. He's yep. done. Do you know what totalitarianism? Shut it all down. Do you know what totalitarianism actually comes against biblically? What what we know about biblically? creativity, uh, truth. Well, I know truth because yeah. logos is truth. Yeah, it it comes against the very principle of truth because we cannot dialogue and we cannot pursue that. That's there, right. There's there's no. It yeah. comes against absolutes. That's exactly what it does. Which, by the way, the mindset of this intersectionality way of thinking is actually by default an absolute, even though it's a direct repudiation to it. That's the Hegelian dialectic. That's why synthesis can be very confusing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Hegel was a nut. But anyway, it, that's a whole other issue, okay? The next thing, and this is, what, this is what's striking to me. This one is the one that is just, it, that blows my mind. And that is science, math, and empirical data. Gone. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And let me tell you why that's dangerous, okay? Science, math, empirical data not only attacks truth, not only attacks, you know... No, uh, not, not attacks, emphasizes. It, it, no, attacks truth. When we're talking about their view on oh, science... their view, okay, yeah, I, I got no you. No science, yeah. no math, okay, you didn't no empirical... Word. You didn't thank you so no. much. Thank you, thank you. I'm yeah. thinking faster than I'm talking. Slow down. Um, the, the, You're just having water. The fact uh. that they come against... The fact that they come against science, math, empirical data is literally not only, attack, not only an attack on truth, but let me tell you what else it's an attack on. And this is, this is to me, the thing that is absolute crazy. It's an attack on salvation. Now, let me tell you why it's an attack on salvation. There's no reasoning. There's no, no right. come let us reason together Bible, your sins are scarlet. The Bible tells us that the, literally, the heavens declare the glory of God. That means... That it's revealed knowledge. Our whole epistemology. Yeah is based on math, science, empirical data. So when you had Newton, who was a believer, right, and, and the greatest thinkers and the scientists of all time that came up with the, the biggest in understanding and inventions and, and scientific discoveries and breakthroughs were wanting to, to look at the laws of nature and nature's God to understand this revealed right. knowledge. Special relativity, physics. Uh, you're, you're talking about the even, even Einstein acknowledges. Oh, come on. E- a Einstein creator more knew like it. you can. Yeah, you, you Einstein just, knew it. But you remove God from the equation. You remove truth from the equation, and you'll shut up and do as you're told and like it. Now, now you have new math, and and now it's no longer education; it's indoctrination. Right. Right. So this is why the Marxists go right for the school districts. Why they dominate the school boards why they go after the unions the teachers unions so the first four points that i went over were designed to make the fifth point happen when the fifth point happens let me tell you where this actually applies to what we're seeing in modern day we got three minutes okay this applies it's not like a hard break where you have commercial nobody buys time on this okay this applies to the person who says now you cannot hold a black person accountable for being late to work. It's a racist tenet. It's the same mentality that says the nominee for the Supreme Court is a racist because she's colonizing these black kids who she's adopted yeah, from Haiti. It's the same mindset that says you cannot teach a black child how to use grammar. 
You can't teach them how to change some of their pronunciations. And we talk about this vicious cycle going on. If I bring a kid up from elementary school and I teach this kid from elementary school that the way that he speaks, the use of his grammar, which is poor, is completely acceptable because that's what he's been taught. And as a result, it's an oppressive language. We don't want to teach you to speak an oppressive language. We are preparing that kid to be rejected in a job interview. We're preparing that kid to not be able to do the things that we think, think this through. Let's talk about Ben Carson for just an example. If critical race theory was the tenant of that man's education and his heart. He would never be a, a, a brain surgeon. There would be lots of kids that still had their heads Siamese together. Siamese together. Yeah. Uh, so I was with my son-in-law, Micah, who's black. My grandkids are mixed. We're at a black church. I'm embraced and loved and encouraged. And there's tension. There always is. There's tension when Bishop Huggins is here and there's tension when I'm with him. I mean, it, 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 it's the nature of man. We can see something different. So we're going to figure out why they're not good and, not, and we are right. us and them. And, and that's the nature of man is we try to find commonality and we, we build into little cliques and groups and food likes. And the, but this is, this is the power of it. And this is why when the church abandoned politics, politics is morality and sociability. And, and the minute the church abdicated its, its participation in that, the church became very tribal. Yeah, you're right. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. I go to that church, I speak, they clap, they stand, they embrace me, they hug me, I pray with them. And a professor, I won't say male or female, because it'll, it'll divulge who they are. A professor comes up and says to my son-in-law, don't raise the grandkids in that white church. Whew. Now, this is a Christian person who's precious, loves the Lord, yeah. and is completely it's evil. off. It's evil. And, and the subtlety of what it does to divide. Yep. But that would build momentum if guys like Bishop Huggins and myself weren't stepping in a missionary goes where he's not loved but needed. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes a missionary's in a church, and it's not a mission to, to promote the gospel. Yeah. It's a mission to bring, endeavoring to keep the unity yeah. of the Spirit and the bond of yeah. peace. You've got to work through these issues. Let now, look, it's 8 o'clock. I'm going to wink at you because you're going to have to trust me. Okay. Folks, we're going to conclude this because I'm going to do another broadcast tomorrow night with this man. He trusts me. He doesn't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And I know he's busy, but we're going to do it. We're going to conclude tonight's broadcast because it's eight. You're going to be on tomorrow night and we're going to continue this conversation. Okay. You Fair enough? It. Yep. All right. Yep. You got it. So give us a thought. It's, it's, it's eight, eight o'clock now. Okay. Just give us a thought to kind of take us out and. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I when I say take us out, I don't mean like kill us. I mean yeah. like, you yeah. know, I, so I'll make it end quick. us on a, on a joy. This is a teaching that is very, uh, it's mostly associated with the teaching of end times. This is a, a lot of people teach about it, but there's a fact about it that's very relevant to what we're dealing with right now. And that's this. The Bible refers to Christians as a restraining force. And the Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians. Yeah. The Holy Spirit living in the life of the believer is defined as a restraining force. A restrainer of evil. A restrainer of evil. As long as Christians are on this earth, the many evil things that are talked about in the final days and so on and so forth are not going to come into its fullness. 
because Christians filled with the Holy Spirit are referred to as the restraining force. Right now as believers, many of us are not living up to that call. Yeah, it's, it's time to open the can. It's time for us to live according to that call. All right, we're going to cover that tomorrow night. Okay. That's a great one because that takes us into the highest form of community, politics. You bet. Because it, it and we'll look at Galatians 3. Yep. And, and it'll be fascinating. So we're going to do this tomorrow night with my dear friend, James Cadiz. Uh, and, and if you have questions in relation to this, um, send them at info <clears throat> at godspeak.com and we'll cover those as best we can. But I got to tell you, I, I want you to come and take the pulpit. I, I, I'm going to be, I got uh, Kirk Cameron this Sunday. I'll be back the following Sunday. I want to give Pastor Rick a couple, but let's, as we get after the election, you come. Okay. Be honored to do it. I want you to bring, I want you to bring the word. Be honored you, to you do it, You have blessed bro. me so much. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't even know the half of that, bro. You're a bigger blessing to me than I ever will be to you. Believe me. All right. Well, why don't you pray for us tonight and okay. then I'll close this out with right. numbers. Pray for the folks. And Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness, Lord. I'm so grateful that we can have an incredible dialogue like this. I can Amen. honestly say I've learned so much and that's the whole goal, Lord, that we would be drawn closer to you. You represent everything that is knowledge, Lord. You represent and everything that's good and righteous. And so, Lord, we lean into you and we trust you and we know that you're faithful and good. And so, Lord, help us to continue that pursuit, really, in essence, the pursuit of you. Yes, God. That, Lord, we would learn to be men and women that are standing up for righteousness, contending for truth in the place of gathering of our nation, Lord. And that we'd be people who shine the light that continue to function as that restraining force. And Lord, we do pray for our president right now. We pray that you would heal him and touch his body and that of our first lady and the many of the public servants, Lord, that have uh, come out with this virus now, Lord, that are uh, affected by it, Lord, our press secretary and many of the other politicians that are uh, suffering from this right now, Lord. We pray, uh, even as we just found out recently about Pastor Greg Laurie, we pray that you would heal him. And uh, Lord, we're just trusting that you're going to do a miraculous thing through this. And Lord, Lord, I'm not ashamed to pray this, but I pray that you would use everything that's happened with the president over this last week to accelerate him into office for the next four years. So Lord, we love you and thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. I said, amen. That means true. All right. Well, or so be it. That's right. Yeah. Or let's eat. That's another one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, we're going we're gonna to bless you tonight with number six, which is a tradition that has gone on for 186 episodes. That's awesome. Oh, I'm so blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thanks, James. Blessed to be here, bro. Ah. Well, thank you, folks. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. He's going to be here, so tune in. I got to tell you, You'll be smarter, wiser, and better equipped for what awaits our future. And you need to know these things. And God has uniquely equipped you and you're a good teacher. And we will be here tomorrow night to learn. So be here. God bless you. Good night, everybody.